Have any of you ever had the fear that you committed the unpardonable sin? You blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever had that? I, I polled our congregation in Oklahoma. I thought I was the only one that really suffered from guilt. I suppose 80% of the congregation raised their hand. Um, I was, I was um, following uh, the ministry of one of, of my colleagues, and he was talking about, uh, right after he was first saved, the, that there were these thoughts that came to him all the time of vile language, either against Jesus or against the Holy Spirit. He was a brand new believer, so he didn't know that you could blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He, and he, these vile thoughts, he said, I didn't talk like that when I was in the world. These were, and he said, I'm so glad I didn't ask anyone because what I did was say, Holy Spirit, what do I do about this? And the Holy Spirit said, when those thoughts come, tell me how you feel about me. And he said that went on for months. <clears throat> but he never mentioned it to anyone because it wasn't a big deal. The Holy Spirit hadn't made a big deal in his heart, and he was filling himself with the Word. He was doing all he knew to draw close to God. And he said the bottom line of that was, I had a much richer, closer relationship with the Holy Spirit because I had all day, every day, when I, especially when I was in prayer, I would have these thoughts come, and so I would just start pouring out how I loved the Holy Spirit, how grateful I was for all He had done, and I would just start listening. And, of course, that kind of worship and that kind of uh, relationship with the Lord really grows us up, changes us. And that was, that was an interesting thing. I remember when I discovered praising God for bad things. You, you know, all things work together for good, and you're supposed to praise the Lord. And, and there's a scripture that says, praise the Lord in all things. But there is one that says, praise the Lord for all things. And um, that's, what, that's what the original language says, and that's what the English translations that I have consulted uh, say. And so I, I would be hit with this pressure, this temptation, this whatever and, and I would start praising the Lord. And it dawned on me that rather than this being a point of weakness where I would sin due to the temptation, it was a place where I was praising the Lord more. And the more the temptation came and the greater the pressure, the more I praised the Lord. And this guy, I think, took it even a step further in, in the way he had to respond. I mean, that was... You know, you have to do what you have to do to, to draw close to the Lord. And he, as a baby Christian, had that experience, and I, I thought that was the coolest deal. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk to us tonight about how many of us are so easily shaken when 
when uh, bad words like this, like my colleague had, bad words come into your mind, you didn't, you didn't use that, you've never used that, far worse than, than when you had no spirit of the Lord in you whatsoever, and it's against God or whatever. When that sort of thing happens, that obviously is the enemy, and he is throwing accusations, he is throwing temptations, he is using past desires, past memories. You've been bopping along, in, that's an old phrase uh, from the 50s, I think. You, you've been just kind of whatever, I started to say grooving, but that's old too. You've just been tending to your own business, let me put it that way. And suddenly a memory, very unpleasant, maybe very ungodly, just popped into your mind. Ever have that? It's not ever, but it's how many per week, you know. It's like this happens to us. And it doesn't happen to me that often, but it certainly does. And I remember there was something came up a few days ago, and I thought, man, that's a throwback. But the deal, what I want us to do is see that this can make us, if we're not careful, devil conscious, Satan conscious. Now, the scripture says, give no place to the devil. And we know the exact meaning of what that means as far as an application. But a secondary application would certainly be, don't acknowledge the devil. Because he is a liar. So if he comes to you and says, you've committed the unpardonable sin, or it comes in in our minds like this, oh my. I've probably committed the unpardonable sin. That's the way the thoughts come, right? You know, what you take that and flip it over and rejoice because that's probably assurance that you've never gotten close to committing the unpardonable sin. He's a liar. Everything he says is totally backwards, totally upside down. Do not ever, ever, he he says, you're not going to make it. Rejoice. He's probably afraid, very afraid, that you're going to make it. Uh, Something really bad is going to happen. Rejoice. Flip it over every time, every time. And you say, uh, but, and stop that. (laughs) Let's, Let's don't make excuses for wrong thinking. Let's don't do that. You say, well, are you, you you're talking about denying feelings? No, I'm talking about managing feelings. Now, if you have a real tragedy come in your life, you lose a loved one, uh, there will be loneliness that comes and a whole bunch of stuff, bad stuff to our emotions. Uh, anger is one of them. Depression is another denial and and when we know what the fact is but our mind just can't manage the fact and at that moment and and you cycle through these things numbers of times in trying to get over a death and that can it it's really really bad with the death of someone who's very very close but there are many deaths in this life including the death of marriages and other relationships etc okay death of a career or apparent death of a career the loss of a job, all those things have to be grieved and have to be managed. So when that feeling comes, 
What do we do? We say, well, Lord, I feel terrible. And I'm so glad that you are completely unchanged. And I'm going to have to come to grips with the fact that that my mom, I haven't lost anybody close in, but closer than my mother, and I'm so grateful for that. I, You know, my life has been kind of protected. Um, but let me just go ahead and finish this thought. Mom's not coming back, and she's home in heaven. She lived her whole life. She started preaching in her middle teens as an evangelist and won hundreds of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of guys that became AG ministers, and I could find their names in the minister's book, were saved when she was not yet 20 years old in these revivals across North Texas where she was preaching. Mom's not coming back. That's done. It's all done. And, of course, where she is, it's like, I'm not going to grieve for her, that's for sure. So I'm thinking about me and... I remember my brother and I would be talking on the phone and there would be these long silences when neither one of us could talk because we were crying. And uh, we're too proud to talk like, sound like that. So. Uh, so what do we do? What do you do? Okay. Listen carefully to the thoughts that come. And if they are other than, Lord, this is really hard and I'm so glad you're with me and I'm going to get through this. Just help me here. If there's anything other than those things, probably the enemy, take that thought, flip it over, and then you get the truth. Uh, so many people fear they're going to lose their mind when they lost someone like a spouse, especially, or, or the death of a child. We are not supposed to bury our kids, okay? And some of you have had that uh, misfortune in your lives, and it's not easy, it's not funny, and uh, you not only lost a kid, you lost a grandkid, and I'm thinking, this is not supposed to happen. They're supposed to bury us, okay? <laughs> They're supposed to stand around our casket crying. But the Lord is unchanged in those deals, church, and I, if, if you think, boy, you're just unfeeling, and you don't have, you don't give a rip about my feelings, and, and you're just cold, I'm, I'm hated that you found out about me. No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just as knuckleheaded as you are. My feelings are just as real, and I'm as, I'm as uh, vulnerable to the things of this life as far as real difficulties. But church, it is so important if we are, and this, this is one of the missions of this church. This is where we're headed, and that is to have such a life of faith where when even we walk through those awful valleys, there is a light about us. There is a life in us. And uh, if you catch us when we're just in the crying stage, sit down and cry with us. It won't last all day, and then, we will, then we'll probably be okay for a while and won't even have to fight that battle. But this business of taking what the enemy says, you're just going to lose your mind over the death of whoever, you know. You're going to be in the mental hospital. I mean, we're just going to put you away. Or if you had to go to a mental hospital, and there's always that word that says, you're, you're headed back there. You're going back. Flip that over 
Hello? Get this. This is not complicated. And it will work and it will change your life. We must do this. It is so clear in Scripture to live from the position of victory, to live from the position that the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. And that means if he can conquer death and come out even with a glorified body, still human, but it's better than he had before. If, that, if he can do that under the power of the Holy Spirit, it is the same spirit the epistles say, that raised Christ from the dead, that quickens our mortal. Quicken means make alive. Our physical body. It is absolutely marvelous. So we replace lies with the truth. Become victory conscious. Operate from the throne, if you will, instead of here comes life and it's just going to beat me to a pulp. Your job may do you that way. Get a place of prayer where you pray to the place that God gets it through your skull that he has you there on purpose and everything that they say or pressure or whatever they put against you, just flip it over and say, Lord, make this real. Make this where I am alive and where I am giving life, not they're sucking the life out of me. We are the sources, friend, of eternal light. 1 Corinthians 10 says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to the Christ. Accusation. You're not going to make it. Hallelujah. You've, you've committed the unpardonable sin. Now, let me just be very clear here. The only factor in this equation that makes it work is faith. For, the, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the just shall, or the righteous, shall live by faith. Now, the enemy will come and say, if the Lord really loved you, that wouldn't have happened to you. Flip that over and say, the Lord must really love me because he didn't stop this. I'm going to get to see something of him that I never, ever would have gotten any other way except this hard circumstance. Because I'm not talking about getting us out of trouble so that no one in the family ever dies. No one ever gets sick. There's never a, a loss of a job or whatever. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a mind that is fixed on the Lord and releases the power of God in every circumstance. So what trouble can you get in and then really be in trouble? Because it is not possible for us to get in trouble in the real world, which is the spirit world, because we are sitting in the throne. We are, we sit with the Lord in his throne. He, he is, Jesus is seated in the throne of God, and we are made to sit together with him in those heavenly places. You don't believe that, do you? It's hard to believe sometime when we're just being hammered. But it's, it, faith is the issue. So, if, if the 
the enemy comes and says, I don't think God loves me. I, uh, this wouldn't have happened. The measure of God's love is settled. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the measuring uh, stick. That's, that's the measuring line of whether God loves you or not. He loves you. He laid down the life of his son. And I think those of us with children might understand that that is perhaps more difficult than laying your own life down. He let them do all that stuff to his son because he loves you. You say, well, other people don't go through this. I I don't get the point. And I know when I sound like that, people say, drop the sarcasm, you know. Get over the sarcasm. Uh, I don't know how to say it without being sarcastic. That's just dumb. That wasn't sarcastic. That was direct. Now, folks, we must not give ourselves excuses for not believing God. I want this bunch that comes into this place on any given service time to come in and say, Lord, strengthen my faith. I want to be focused. I want to be purer when I walk out of here than when I came in. And then when we go out of here, watch out trouble, watch out needs, watch out people who need healing, who need encouragement, because we're loaded. We're not fighting our own battle. Oh, you know, man, I don't know. This, this Christian thing is it's tough. Well, in some countries, it can kill you. I know that. Uh, there were a bunch of Christians died today because they are Christians. Not because they're criminals and claim to be Christian. Only crime is they worship Jesus Christ. And they died today in our world. So, it, you know, it can be kind of tough to be a Christian, but here, here is the deal. Uh, we must do two things. We need to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we must believe the promise. John 10, 5 says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. When we get these thoughts in our head, we need to say, okay, that doesn't sound like any scripture I know. Now, of course, the enemy is, he will project scriptures that are condemning. Now, some of us are are masterfully neurotically negative and condemned. I, I, I go through the Old Testament twice a year and used to, when I would go through the Old Testament, every threat to, to these rebellious people who worshiped idols and were, were just ungodly beyond, they, they make our culture look pretty clean, folks. I mean, we're in trouble. I'm not, I'm not defending our culture and its wickedness, but we're just still trying to get there. They were there. And when the Lord would condemn them, I'd just take that and it just all pile on, just pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. Boy, that's miserable. One of the things that I had to get healing from was I was at, at Bible school by this time and I had practiced this guilt all of my adolescence up to that point. And in Bible school in those years, we were in chapel five days a week, Wednesday night service, Friday night chapel, two services on Sunday. 
So we heard a lot, and people talked a lot about heaven in those days. That was before the kind of boom, and everybody kind of likes where we are now in, in our culture. Not so much now. We're talking more about heaven, have you noticed? But anyway, we used to really talk about heaven before some of you guys were born. And uh, every time, every time they would say that and talk about heaven, I would see a lake of flames. That was, that was the mental picture that instantly came to mind. And it got so bad that I knew I was in trouble. And so I, I went to my room in the middle of one afternoon and got my Bible and looked up where Jesus says um, about those that, that the Father gave him. And he says, in the King James, it says, He that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. That's the King James, and that's clear enough. And I, it, it was as if I said, okay, God, I'm coming to you. I'm coming through Jesus Christ, and you can't turn me away. And it was like I had him by the arm and was twisting it. And that, I, I know that's neurotic, folks. Please, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not, but I'm not going to get guilty about that again. I've already been guilty about that. Thank you very much. But anyway, the Lord, it is so great that he, he let his word heal me even though I was so off the wall in my theology about him and his love. So I was healed from that, and I still had the feeling I wasn't going to make it, but at least I didn't think hell every time they said heaven. And that was a relief. And so the Lord helps us with those things. Now, see, the, the thoughts, I had, I had accepted those thoughts as mine because I just never did live right for God. You know, I'd get saved every Sunday night and, and always had bad thoughts through the week. And that was awful. And, uh, of course you become a teenager as a male and it gets worse. So there was, there was all of that guilt. And I just, I just welcomed it in and I didn't get healed. I'm not sure I'm totally healed now, but dear Lord, it's much better now. It's like a different universe. But the, the fact is God loves us. If you are an unrighteous, wicked, idolatrous, absolutely corrupt, um, beyond description almost person, and you're under the old covenant, all of those, all of those threats in the old covenant are yours. And there is a judgment under the new covenant, but we're not under that anymore, by the way. We are in the new covenant where Jesus Christ has carried every stinking, rotten sin that we have ever committed, ever. He, he carried it. It's paid for. You know, we want to hang on to that, some of that old, old covenant stuff because sometimes we try to be good and then we want honor and reward for, we, that's about half good today. It's not about how good you were or are, or can be, Jesus was perfect and then took all of this crud that you have done, and you know the stinky stuff you've done. Those are theological terms, by the way. You know that, and God put it to death on the cross. That's too easy. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. And that opens the door wide open for me and you. 
and we are in because God so loved the world. So stick with it. Hang on to it. These thoughts, uh, they come and they, they try to harass us. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Whoa! And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, Christ's ambassadors, <clears throat> as therefore we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him to, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. So the thoughts that don't line up with just all the victory... As a matter of fact, that passage right there is, is a pretty good one to just kind of make your, the way you set your day. Because it'll set you in the redemption thing, totally taken care of by God, and then it will say, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Hmm, not a bad way to set your day. And anything that, any thought that you have that doesn't line up with that, say, ah, Hallelujah, Lord, I'm so glad that that's not true, but this is true, and you go back to this, or you take that thought and flip it over, and, you know, there's your answer. Folks, this will work, and it seems so small, and I know there is a mindset that says, yeah, but that's not real. That's out of touch with reality. No, that is real, and this stuff that we allow to condemn us and that we get down under guilt and so forth, that's not real because Jesus has already dealt with it. And the spirit world where God is king is the real world. Don't take your crummy neurotic thoughts and make that more real than Almighty God. That's not real smart. So we deal with this truth. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is going around saying, you're never going to make it. And he's looking for somebody that will say, I'm never going to make it. I must or else if you're born again and you say, I must have a demon. You know, and people used to ask me, can a, can a Christian have a demon? And I, I, you know me, so you know this fits my personality. I always wanted to say, I don't know a Christian that wants one. But that's not what they meant, of course. Forgive me, you know, it's, that's just who I am, and I like me. <laughs> At least the Lord does, and I'm trying to learn to accept me, but maybe I should say it that way. But the Lord is, is here to deal with all of that stuff. And if, if you have made a place for the devil... And you can do that. We know that Ephesians 5 teaches us don't make a place to the devil. When you do that, undo the sin. Just stop that sin. And, and acknowledge it under the blood of Jesus Christ and be done with the devil. Don't get a demon. They can't get in unless you let them in. Don't do that. Let the glory of God fill you to the place 
that you are just full of the joy of the Lord because the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. To recap, we are in Christ. Every sin is forgiven. There is not going to be one sin follow us into judgment. It's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you sin tonight, that sin is already dealt with in the cross. Jesus does not have to come back down and down the cross again. It's done. And we know that. We live by that. But we allow our feelings and these things that we hold. And sometimes, let me just lay one more thing on us. I hope this is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we hold on to those kind of weird, uh, unbelieving things because if we clear our mind out, we will have to be on the line for the Lord and just be flat out for Jesus. And some of us have not died to this, this life enough to just be flat out for Jesus. And so don't make a theology out of something that's going on that you're holding on to so you don't have to give your whole life to the Lord. Die to self and do not let the devil project. Well, you can't stop him from projecting thoughts. Do not let him have any influence. When that thought comes in and you think, I'm never going to make it, just say, wait, hallelujah, glory to God, I'm going to make it. The Lord has come. The Lord has shown himself to me. The Lord came and took my sins. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He, he's at the th- right hand of God and I'm sitting there with him, by the way, and he's praying for me. I'm going to make it. And if that thought comes every five minutes, you're praising the Lord all day long. Make you a crazy person for Jesus. Make you a spiritual giant. Hallelujah. 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 Jeff is going to come and lead us in prayer. Just get your heart open because uh, uh, the Lord's got something that he spoke to Jeff and uh, I'm, I'm eager to hear what it is. Well, I guess I didn't know that, Pastor. <laughs> um, I am going to lead us in prayer, but I do have uh, just a little bit to say. Um, Pastor called me just a couple hours ago and said, are you going to be at church tonight? And I said, yeah. He goes, will you pray for us tonight after church? And I said, sure. So he said, well, why don't we just get here a few minutes early and uh, we'll just talk about it and so I was like, okay. So he's uh, basically, I, I'm sharing this because I feel like it was the Holy Spirit because uh, he said, he <clears throat> got here five minutes early and he said, okay, uh, what do you think you want to pray for? And I go, I don't know. I thought you wanted me to pray. So I thought you was going to tell me. And he goes, well, I was just going to preach on this and this and this and whatever. And I said, well, he said, do you have anything specific or whatever you'd like to pray for? And I said, well, you know, <clears throat> I was talking to the Lord on the way up here and I was saying, you know, if pastor <clears throat> just has me pray and he just says, just pray for whatever you want to pray for, what would it be? And the Holy Spirit was like, pray for a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he said, okay, yeah. When I got here and I, and he said, I don't really know what I want you to pray for tonight. You got anything that you feel like you want to pray for? That's what I told him. He goes, that's perfect. You need to close our service tonight because that fits perfectly with the sermon. And I think what pastor said tonight was, about flipping the stuff the devil tells us to and flipping it over to something good. And what I do on top of that is 
and then pretty much say, and Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do for you? And as, as doing that, I feel like my life has changed a lot by talking to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And what I want to share tonight is that my life has been changed in the last year or two by just really seeking the person of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times, before I read that little book, uh, Heaven is for Real, I really didn't grasp the whole concept. I knew that there was three people, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and, and God the Son. But I really didn't grasp the thought that, that there was this person that God and Jesus was directing to go, hey, he needs your help, and man, he needs you over there. And it was the Holy Spirit that they were guiding. And it really touched my life to say that the Holy Spirit, he, sent, he left, Jesus left, and he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And for most of my adult life, even, I just felt like that was just like a spirit or a thing or an it or whatever. And it's a real person that I talk to daily now. And it's something that I think that we need to, as a congregation, as I try to close and I wasn't trying to preach again, but was that to recap what pastor said is and then let the Holy Spirit do the work in our lives. And as we've. As we, as he, one of his points was to discern the Holy Spirit, and it's so true. We have to discern the Holy Spirit and and what he's really saying to us. And just the opposite of what the devil says, if it stands, stands to be something that's in the Bible, it's probably the Holy Spirit telling you you ought to do that. And when you're feeling the uh, the nudge inside of you to you ought to maybe go talk to them, that's probably not the devil. It's probably the Holy Spirit saying. They need you, and listen to that. And instead of flipping that over, go to that because it is the truth. When it's not the truth, like Pastor said, flip that over and say, yeah, I'm not going to go with that. It's a lie, and that means something good. But the opposite of that, when the Holy Spirit talks to us, listen to it because it is the truth. And when you know that the truth speaking to you, act on the truth because too many times I think we miss the opportunity and we, we heard the truth, but we didn't act upon it. And that's really all i got to say tonight. But <clears throat> my wife says that I ask too many questions. And I think sometimes that we don't ask enough questions to the Holy Spirit. Like every day, what do you got for me today, Holy Spirit? What do you got for me? And that's what I want to close with today is to pray for us that we have a complete refreshing, a newness, a Holy Spirit that lives and dwells inside of us every day. And that it's alive and active. And he, the person of the Holy Spirit, is so into our lives that we know when to act and when not to act. And uh, that's what I, my prayer is going to be for all of us today. So, so if, uh, And I wanted to make one quick comment. Ken posted, <clears throat> Ken Becker posted about an hour ago. I guess he was already here. He said, I'm at Crown Point Church. Um, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it really like, yeah, Ken. It was like midweek oasis soaking in the spirit. And that's what we need every day in our life is a midweek oasis. Yeah, we're here tonight to refresh us and gain us to have new strength for tomorrow. But yet not just wait for this Sunday, but have a midweek oasis Thursday morning in our prayer closet and say, wow, a refreshing in my soul today, every day and every hour and every minute that we need it. And it's not like we have to wait till Wednesday or Sunday, but we, we can have it every day. 
That was a good word, Ken, because I was like, wow, Ken's already here. It's already 6 o'clock. But let's all stand tonight. I'm just going to lead us in prayer. But if you want to, raise your hands. And if you don't want to, don't raise your hands. But if you feel the Holy Spirit in your life, and or just an act of surrender, I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit will just come into our lives in a fresh and a new way. And it'll be something that we won't have to wait for another church service. But it'll be something that we just fall on our knees or fall on our face or not even do either. You might be driving down the road and let the Holy Spirit fill us up, renew us, and go into some workplace or whatever in a new and fresh attitude because the Holy Spirit is just all over us and and that's how it needs to be in our lives every day. Father, thank you for the pastor and bringing the word today. Lord, what a great message for us. Lord, help us, Father, to just let that sink into our lives. And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, you, the person of the Holy Spirit, God, will come down in a real way in each one of our lives tonight, that you will saturate our hearts, and that, God, that, that the Holy Spirit will just start to be known in our lives. And that we'll know when we hear your voice. We'll know when we feel your touch. We won't just think it was you, but we'll know because we're living and active in you, Lord. And in your Holy Spirit. And that, God, that we will, you will help us to start realizing what the Holy Spirit sounds like. What he's saying in our lives. And that, that Lord, we will just open our lives right now. And that we will start to just feel the refreshing the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit right now, refresh us. Refresh us. Come down right now in a real way. Not that you're not already here, but come down in each one of our lives. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, a freshness, a newness, a victoriousness. God, I just pray that you just help us to be conquerors, victorious in your Holy Spirit. And I just pray right now that each one of us will seek you, that, God, we will just seek the Holy Spirit every day, every hour, every hard time in our life, every good time in our life. We will rejoice with him and that we will seek him and that we will know him and that, God, that we will, be, we will go out of this place, like Pastor said at the start, changed, changed refreshed, regenerated, ready for this hard world that we're going into, and that we will be a light in a dark world, but it'll be through your Holy Spirit, God. And I just thank you for sending him to us, and that he can dwell in us, and that he lives in us, and that we can rejoice in him, and that all things work together for him who is called into his purpose, and that we will know his purpose. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you. Let's just praise him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit.